0: Well, so if you have a Bible, open it up to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't, there should be one under the chair in front of you. If you might could grab one of those and follow along, they also have some sermon notepads back there. If you ever want to grab a few of those, that way during uh, the service, you can jot down some of the scriptures I'm gonna be jumping to, especially in this series. I'm not going book by book or chapter by chapter, kind of floating around a little bit with the fruit of the Spirit. And so, as we dig into Galatians chapter 5, we are right in the middle of our series. We started with a goal, by the end of this, to commit ourselves to walk or operate, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and allow Him to produce the spiritual fruit in our life. This is something we cannot do on our own. We must rely on the Holy Spirit to do this, and we must rely on His power, we must yield to Him and allow Him to do it in our everyday lives. That's where we really see it lived out. When you're in the community, when you're at school, when you're in your workplace, what is the fruit that's being produced in your life? What is the character of who you are? As a Christian, it should be our goal, our desire to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the character of Christ in us, which is the Holy Spirit's uh, fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Last three messages, we focused on the three inward fruit, love, joy, and peace. Immediately, when you get saved or when you trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ comes to reign in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Now you have this indwelling that starts in your heart and it begins there and then it works its way out. Some pastors said Christianity is an inside out religion. So when you hear these fruit of the Spirit, don't think, oh, I'm going to try to do these things to make myself a Christian. No, that's not the way it works. What sets Christianity apart from all other religions is religion says change the outside and you'll change the inside. Try harder, do better, love more, do these things. The more you do them, the better you become. And what happens is it ends up a performance-based religion. You are accepted by God because of how well you perform. I don't know about you, but you're not going to perform very well when you have the flesh ruling in your life. The flesh desires the flesh, and the works of the flesh, we've already talked about those, they are deeds that are are against God. And so Christianity comes along and says, no, not that. That's not what religion is. That's not the religion of Christianity. Christianity says, change the inside first. Come to Jesus Christ, allow Him to birth in you the Spirit of Christ, and then the Holy Spirit will go to work in your life. He puts you on this process of changing your heart, and then He changes your actions. And then He changes your, your standing before the Lord as well. And we're going to talk about all, through, all, all nine of these fruit. And, and like I said, the first one, in the heart, love, joy, and peace. And it begins to work its outside in. It's a lifelong process. It's a journey. We're all on a journey. You here this morning, you might have been saved for a year or maybe 10 years or 15 years. We all should wear a sign, God is at work in my life. Because that's really what happens. The Holy Spirit begins with the power of God begins to produce this powerful testimony in our life because we are not like who we are we are like Christ now in our everyday life towards other people in our heart and towards God love joy peace and then on the outside the next three fruit that we find here in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 23 is long suffering kindness and goodness. You can see them right there. Those are three fruit that would begin to exhibit themselves towards others and towards God as well. And long-suffering, kindness, and gentleness. This morning, we're going to talk about long-suffering. Because my heart has been changed, now my action towards others is going to exhibit this long-suffering. Uh, we could also call this Patience in the English language, and I know some of you are probably thinking, all right, it's 11.05, he's not done yet, he's still going through his introduction, hurry up, all right, well, calm down, have some patience, all right? That's a preacher joke, by the way, all right? Listen, we start with this fruit of the Spirit, it's very hard, because it affects every area of our life, it affects every relationship of life, it affects every day of our life, so as we begin, let's think about the definition of it. The definition of the Greek word long suffering in the original language is makrothruma. Makrothumia, which means a compound word of macro and thumos. Macro means long. It's like where we get the word macaroni, like a longer noodle. And so macros indicates something that is long or long duration or something that's remote or distant. Thumos means anger. But it also includes the ideal of swelling emotions or a strong passion towards something or someone. So when you compound that word together, macrothuma means a patient restraint of anger or swelling emotion towards someone or something in your life. That's what long-suffering is. In the English language, like I said, you can translate that as patience, and also forbearance is another word you can use. And so another variant of this, as well as this thumos, not just anger or emotions, but in those emotions is annoyed or irritated. That's probably hitting a little bit closer to home now, right? Because you might think, well, I don't get anger, but I do get being annoyed or irritated, Jeff Allen is a great Christian comedian. He's a, he's a Chris, Christian comedian that we've actually had in our couples nights before and watched his few videos, but he talks about marriage. And he talks about marriage and how easily he annoys his wife. And every wife said amen, right? But anyway, so in return, he says when he annoys her, like dropping his socks in the middle of the room instead of putting him in the clothes hamper, right? She, she gets upset with him and asks him a question like, Who in the world left their socks in the middle of the room? He's like, well, maybe somebody broke in and left their socks right there, honey. I don't know whose socks they are. But then she gets upset. He says she goes into what he calls frosted, right? She's frosted. And so everything he does or everything he says, he only gets the look from his wife, right? And then he finally catches it, and he asks her, is everything all right? And she says, fine. And he goes, oh, Lord of mercy, have I learned that if you hear you're, I'm fine in marriage, there is smoke <laughs> because there is fire. Kind of like what I did when I used last week my bossy joke. But anyways, there was, a, there was that part. You get the look, right? But this is what he's talking about here. Macrothumia, long-suffering, not an annoyance or not an irritating type thing, but a candle with a very long wick that's prepared to burn for a very long time. And what it's a picture of is forbearing or patiently waiting without becoming annoyed or angry and waiting for a change or progress or an improvement of something or someone. Another commentator put it this way. Patience is calm, endurance, based on the certainty that God is in control and he is uh, is always on time. And now you think about this as well in our flesh. We are not patient. Our flesh is incredibly impatient. Our flesh does not like to deal with situations where we're not comfortable, with people who are, uh, are not easy to work with, with things that take longer than we sh- they think, or people that we are, are difficult. Our flesh, we get angry. In our flesh, we get annoyed. In our flesh, we get irritated. In our flesh, we quit. In our flesh, we may blow up. In our flesh, we have fits of wrath. In our flesh, we have contentions. Now, all those were mentioned as works of the flesh back up in verse earlier in, verse, uh, up, up earlier in chapter 5. And if you think about it, all these things, now as they come to light, we, we know we've allowed these works of the flesh in our life at some point. And maybe we've exhibited them or maybe someone else has exhibited them to us in our life, but we should not do that as a Christian Maybe this morning you've exhibited some of those fruit already. Maybe they've manifested in your heart. Maybe on your ride here, there was a traffic light that you didn't quite make and you got annoyed, right? And you kind of got irritated with it. Or maybe your husband did something to you, or maybe something in your family got you upset, or maybe your wife gave you the honeydew list for today after church and you got a little irritated, right? Or annoyed. Maybe your car or your truck's not running right, or maybe it's a difficult person in your life right now, and you woke up realizing that the situation hasn't changed. And in your flesh, it's going to tell you to give up. In your flesh, it's going to tell you to go off the handle, right? And your flesh is going to say, walk away. And your flesh is going to say, stop waiting on the Lord. What are you doing? Don't be patient. But that's of the flesh, and as a Christian, we must reject that. We must reject the flesh... And we must submit to the Holy Spirit because in our flesh, it's not going to change anything. Listen, when we get in the flesh and we handle things in our own flesh, it only causes more problems. And in my life, when I've taken things in my own hand, I've gotten my own results. And guess what? They're not very good. But if we trust in the Lord and put it in His hands, then we get His results. And His results are always better than our results. And we have these objects of anger, we have isolation, we have hurt, we have damage, and we we harm people around us. And you think about the trouble and hurt that has come from impatience and and not having long suffering in relationships. Marriages have suffered. Some not even survived. Homes have suffered. And there's been broken uh, relationships between parents and their children. Churches have been destroyed. Listen, you get in a church that's not patient with one another or impatient, and they're arguing over the color of the carpet or the chairs or just impatient about everything, and it's just a, it's an angry or a, it's a, a, a hostile situation. Faith in God has been wrecked because people have not waited on the Lord and took things in their own hands. So this morning, maybe you're tempted to be in the flesh. Maybe you're tempted to be angry. Maybe you're tempted to have wrath or to go off this morning be irritated or annoyed, and maybe you're here and you're just about ready to give up on God because you don't want to wait any longer. Let me tell you, you got to reject the flesh and submit to the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have something available to you that's far better than the work of the flesh, and that is long-suffering. That is asking the Holy Spirit to produce patience in our life it's saying, Lord, I don't want to go react in my flesh. I am yielding to the Holy Spirit to produce this patience and long-suffering in my life. We must trust that God is in control. And we must trust that we, as we exhibit patience, exhibit patience towards others or circumstances, that God will do what he says he's going to do. And this morning, I want to share with you three important areas. There's many areas, but I want to share with you these three. Some of them I mentioned, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on them. Areas of our life that we need to submit to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to produce long suffering and patience in our everyday lives. All right? Number one, we need need the Holy Spirit to produce long suffering towards people. Towards people. All right? Have you ever lost your patience with another person? All right. Don't look at me so pious. I know you have. All right? Listen, it's easy to fly off the handle. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to share uh, uh, wrath towards someone when they interrupt you or when they criticize you or when they speak harsh words to you. You immediately want to speak it back to them. You immediately want to tear them down. You strike me, I strike you back, right? Twice as hard. And some would even say it's easy to be patient if it wasn't for people. And that's pretty true because people dealing with people is difficult. Dealing with people is hard, especially difficult people. I mean, some people can brighten up a room by leaving it, right? I mean, that's the way they are, right? They're just kind of annoying and aggravating, right? They're impossible to please. And many times we get critical and we see these people and we lose patience with them and all of a sudden we're angry towards them. Then we don't want to see them. And then we start having wrath towards them and we begin to point out all their faults and it just goes down this rabbit trail of getting worse and worse and worse. But the truth is that even though people are difficult, it is possible to have patience with them. It is possible because of the Holy Spirit. It is possible because you could yield to ask the Holy Spirit to give you patience and you have no excuse to be angry or upset even with the most difficult people that come into your lives. Now, I know that's easy preaching and hard living. Trust me, I know that. But we need to show patience even with difficult people at work. We need to show patience with people who are difficult at church. We need to show patience with people that are difficult in our own family. Might I remind you, Thanksgiving's coming up, and you're going to find and see some of them, right? Maybe in school. And the flesh... We'll want to rise up and want to hate and want to be irritated and annoyed and angry, but we must submit to the Spirit to allow us to be patient with people. We are to calmly endure difficult people without lashing out in anger or annoyance in the flesh. And it's hard. Matter of fact, it's impossible in our own, but we must rely on the Holy Spirit. And when we rely on the Holy Spirit, He gives us this long-suffering, Think about this in Jesus' life. Jesus had some difficult people in his life. If you begin with his disciples, remember his disciples? I mean, Jesus had his disciples, and he was teaching his disciples, and they were learning, and they were following after him, and he thought, man, we've arrived. I got them following me. I've taught them about me and God, and they're well on their way. And then John chapter 14 comes along, and Philip looks at him and says, Jesus, only if you'd show us the Father, we would believe in you. And Jesus looks at him and says, have I not been with you so long? That you still don't know me? Whoever seen me has seen the father, Philip. And incredibly patient. He didn't lash out at him. He gently corrected him and educated him. Think about James and John, the sons of thunder. These two were knuckleheads, right? I mean, they were constantly fighting or arguing. Or who's going to be first in the kingdom of God? And they were always stirring up trouble. But Jesus always exhibited patience towards them. Think, I think about Thomas. Thomas was a powder and a doubter, right? You ever had a doubter in your life or a powder in your life? Thomas was pouting because he didn't see the resurrected Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to believe unless I can see Jesus and put my hands in his, in, his, in his scars and into his side and must see his marks. Well, Jesus could very well said, Thomas, if you had not believed yet, I don't even want to see you, right? Like, if you don't believe me now, I don't even care if you see me. But not. nonetheless, when Jesus saw Thomas, he looked at him and said, Thomas, here, place your hand in my side and feel my hands. And he says he was incredibly patient with him. Then you know, obviously the, 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 the one that we see his patience the most was displayed with Peter. Peter had denied Christ three times. And Peter had told him, i would never fail you. But sure enough, he did it three times. And so when Jesus saw him after he was resurrected, he was on the seashore. And there he was uh, cooking the fish. And he, he sits with a lump in his throat while Jesus looks at him. And, he, and Jesus could have told him anything he wanted to tell him. Like, you failed, Peter. I don't ever want to see you again. Get away from me. You're, you have let me down. But Jesus looked at him and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Incredible patience. And long-suffering with those who walked with him, but not only those who walked with him. Think about his enemies. When he came before Pontius Pilate, Pilate put him on trial and he looked at him and he says, you don't even know, I could call 10,000 angels to destroy you right now. Incredible patience, patience towards him. Think about Judas. Judas ate with him and went with him and Jesus knew he was going to, he knew he was going to betray him. And even to the very end, he showed patience with him. And Judas was was incredibly betrayed Christ, but yet he was still patient with him. Think about Jesus with the woman at the well. He patiently spoke to her and shared Christ with her and shared the gospel with her. And and Jesus was full of long-suffering and patience. And in our lives, we should exhibit that towards others as well. We need to show that spirit of Christ to those even who are difficult, to those who are closest to us, and those who are furthest from us. Let me tell you, many times in your life, it's easy to be nice to those who are not in your own home, right? And it's very hard sometimes to show the patience to those who are closest to us. But we got to pray. Lord, give me the spirit of long-suffering. Let me suffer long with those without lashing out in the flesh. Uh, Maybe you're struggling with this. This has always helped me. Two things that I've heard shared about understanding long-suffering with others, and maybe this could help you. First, consider how God is long-suffering with you. You know, a great question to ask yourself, should I be patient with this people, or how long should I be patient with this person? Ask yourself, well, how long is God patient with me? Think about that. This one blows me away because you think about how patient and long-suffering God is, and the number of times that we do dumb things, and the number of times that we annoy God, and the number of times that we continue to do that. In my life, it's like it's me again. God, First John 1:9. Here I am. I did something stupid again, right? And He never says, "Get away from me, stupid." Get away from me. You you did it again, right? He never pushes me away. He's always patient. And when you go to the Lord, he is there for you and he never pushes you away. And what I'm I'm saying is when you consider that and you look to a difficult person in your life that won't change, ask yourself, am I extending the same long-suffering and patient toward them as God does towards me? That's a good way to set the scale of your patience in your life. Second way is consider how you'd want others to treat someone that you love. If you think about this, even maybe this Halloween, this might have happened to you or as you were out and about through the world and a teenager comes along and they did something dumb and annoying, right? Teenagers do some dumb things, right? And maybe they stole all the candy out of your bowl because you put it out front. Or maybe they did something in your yard or knocked on your door and took off running. Or maybe they did something that kind of irritated you. Instead of blowing up at them and being angry with them, ask yourself, how would someone, how would you want someone to treat your teenage, and, teenage daughter or son? Would you want them to respond with anger or with patience? How about an elderly person that's driving on the road at 10 miles an hour, right? You got somewhere to go, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and you finally get your shot to go around them, and you want to give them a look. You guys know what look I'm talking about, all right? And you want to really show them those things. And when you get beside them, just picture your grandmother there, all right? Picture, picture your mother there and say, Do, should I extend to them patience like I would want someone to show my mother or my grandmother patience? Notice I didn't use my dad there because he still speeds everywhere. But anyways, uh, your grandmother, mother, the person that loves you, how would you want someone else to treat them? How about at church? Someone who sits in your seat. Someone who takes your parking spot. Someone who may not be dressed right. Someone who may not look right. Someone who may be a little bit different than you. Do you want to exhibit patience with them? Do you want to look at them like someone would look at your son or daughter who had come to church to find Christ? Or would you want someone to give them a dirty look or be rude to them or be impatient with them? Think about that. How, how long is your fuse towards other people do you repeatedly fly off the handle? Or are, you, are you annoyed or irritated? Do you have anger and wrath in your heart? That's a, that's a desire of the flesh. We must reject that and ask the Holy Spirit, God, give me this long-suffering with others, that I have this long-suffering of Christ towards those in my life that, are, that you have exhibited to me and to those who I love, and let me be that kind of person. We shouldn't be blowing up at people. It's a bad testimony and character of Christ. Secondly, we must be patient In trials and tribulations. We got to yield to the Holy Spirit when we're in difficult trials and tribulations. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And this one's hard as well because we're in the midst of tribulations and trials in this world. And maybe even in your own life you're in a trial or tribulation. But in the midst of those trials and tribulations, what we do is we get impatient. And we want God to deliver us immediately. We say, God, this is hard. This is difficult. And I want out. I want to be out as fast as possible. But if you look at this scripture, you realize that you've got to be patient in trials and tribulations because God's doing a work in your heart that he can do in, in no other way. And instead of saying, give me the quick way out and being impatient with God, you ought to say, God, what is it I need to learn in this? Let me be patient in this. Don't get irritated or annoyed or begin to clamor. That is your flesh. In your flesh, you'll begin to doubt God. In your flesh, you'll want to be angry with God. In your flesh, you'll want to say, God, why are you having me in this situation? It is far beyond what I can can have in my life. And why do I linger in these trials, God? I'm mad at you. You haven't delivered me yet. You've forgotten about me. And we want the immediate rescue. But God lets us stay in these trials and tribulations to produce patience in our life. He wants us to learn how to wait for deliverance from him and say, Lord, I'm in this trial, but I want to learn something through this, and I want to endure this trial with patience. And sometimes a difficult place in your life, you got to yield to the Holy Spirit say, God, give me patience and give me long-suffering in this situation. Maybe even this morning, you're in a difficult spot in your life. And you're in some trial, and you thought it was supposed to be over, but your flesh is crying out, but yet you need to yield to the Holy Spirit and say, God, give me patience during this time. You know, Paul learned this. Paul was in the midst of a trial, a tribulation in his life. He said it was a thorn in the flesh. And he tells us in Corinthians that he had this thorn in the flesh, and three times he pleaded with God. Now, that's just what he tells us that he he pleaded with, but you can be rest assured he pleaded more than three times about this. And he said, this thorn is in my flesh. And he said, God, take this from me and take this from me and take this from me. And finally, he got the answer where God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. That I'm not going to remove that, that thorn until I'm ready. And he may not remove it ever. But what you've got to learn is how to be patient to trust God, even in the midst of your trials and tribulations. And that's hard, but it's not so hard that the Holy Spirit can't do it in your life and maybe you're mad with God or you're impatient with the Lord because you're in a tough spot right now and you only want deliverance, pray that the Holy Spirit will give you patience and let you suffer long in the midst of these trials and tribulations. So patience with people, patience with trials and tribulations, and then patience with God's plan. you got to ask God or the Holy Spirit to produce this patience with God's plan for our life. I, I don't know how to explain it. But I know it's true. God's plan always involves waiting. It always does. It is God's way in God's time. And for us, we like to speed it up, right? We like to run ahead God, like, God, I know this is your plan for my life, and I want to help you Get, make it come to pass, right? Like, I don't want to wait on your, you and your plan, so I'm going to speed it up a little bit. And this is not a bad thing. This is not a trial, or tribulation. This is something good, but we run ahead, run ahead of God and we go ahead and maybe buy a car we shouldn't buy. Or maybe we move into a house we shouldn't have. Or maybe we take a job that we shouldn't take. And all of a sudden we're trying to help God in his plan for his life. Or maybe you're here and maybe even relationships work this way. I can remember when I was uh, single and I was growing up, I was going through high school, and my dad was like, well, you're about to graduate high school, son. You need to find a girlfriend. And I was like, well, I'm doing all right. Don't worry. I'm playing football. I'm going to go to college. So I went off to college. Before I got done with college, he's like, hey, you better find a girlfriend because when you get out of college, you know, it's going to be harder to find a girlfriend out of college. Well, I graduated from college, and I went to work in the construction business, and I started looking around. He said, now you got to find a woman on the job, and I looked around and I was like, Maybe I should have been more serious in college or high school about finding a woman. And no, I didn't find Aaron on a construction site, all right? But, uh, <laughs> but waiting for that, seeking the Lord, never been on a date before, never had a girlfriend before. God, what are you doing in my life? I got to 23 years old. And I thought, okay, God, this is what are you going to do in my life? And at the right time, God brought someone in my life that completely changed my life. Not just a person to marry but who God had for me 23 years ago. And I never met her before. It was one time at at a church that we came together and God was like, here it is. And and as you patiently wait on the Lord, you get God's best for your life. And when you run ahead of the Lord and you're not patient for his plan for your life, you tend to push along and you you settle for less than best in your life. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This waiting is not just looking at a clock. This is waiting is serving the Lord and waiting with expectation that God is going to deliver His plan for your life. It's a way of describing this of total trust in the Lord. And whatever His plan is and whenever His plan is, you don't ever give up, and you don't ever run ahead of God, and you wait on the Lord with patience. That's the way you wait on the Lord for God's plan in your life. So maybe you're waiting for something in your life. Don't run through God's stop signs in your life and, he, and settle for less than best. Only do it God's way in God's time, and you'll never regret it. Think about your life. Do you have patience with people this morning? Has someone been in your life that's irritated or annoyed you and you've let anger get the best of you? Matter of fact, you've let it ruin your whole life and your whole uh, everything that God has blessed you with because you have this bitterness in your heart towards someone. And they're a difficult person. Yes, they are, but you have let the flesh get the best of you and you have allowed that to work in your heart. This morning you need to yield to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, give me long-suffering for this person. And maybe you're in a trial or tribulation And you're aggravated with God. Matter of fact, maybe you're mad with God. Maybe you've allowed it to get to a point to where you want to know why God would allow this to happen in your life. And in that situation, in that trial, in that tribulation, God won't necessarily take you out of it immediately. But you can pray for God's patience through that trial. James, like I said, James says, let patience have its work. you got to yield to that and say, Lord, I don't want deliverance. I want your presence and I'm willing to wait, and I'm willing to trust in the Lord, and even in a difficult trial or tribulation in my life, Lord, I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to be annoyed. I'm not going to be irritated. I'm going to fully trust in you, or maybe it's something in your life, and you know it's God's will for your life, but it just hasn't come to pass yet, and you're wanting it. You're desiring it. Maybe it's something for your child. Maybe it's something for your marriage. Maybe it's something that you want for your job or your career and you're trying to push ahead. Just trust in the Lord. Trust in His timing. Keep seeking the Lord and His way and then trust in His timing this morning. And when God brings it to pass, trust me, you'll never regret it. You won't regret it because you will know it was God's plan and God's timing. That's what we need to pray for. And maybe you realize this morning, you say, you know what, I don't even have that kind of patience or control in my life. I don't even know what it means to act other, towards anything other than the flesh. Maybe you realize you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've walked down a path where you've been all performance driven. You've tried hard. You've joined churches and you tried to be a better person. But everything ends up in a failure. And it will because you can't overcome the flesh. Maybe this morning you just need to come to the Lord and say, God, I'm surrendering my heart to you. That I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that only comes when we make a profession of faith in Christ. When you trust in Jesus Christ. Not joining this church. Not making a goal or a plan or trying hard or disciplining yourself. It comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning you can call out on Him. And you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. And I want the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of my heart to help me exhibit these fruit in my life and then you're on your path to becoming a spirit-filled life or maybe this morning you're a Christian you realize you know what I have been walking in the flesh if someone were to look at my life they'd say it looks like Christ has done nothing in your life you're not being like Christ in your heart you're not being like Christ towards other people and you're not being like Christ and serving the Lord and this morning maybe you just need to yield your heart and say Lord here I am again And I want you to fill my life with the power of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Say, God, I want to be controlled by you and I yield myself to you and fill me full of your Spirit this morning. That all could happen this morning. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I just encourage you to pray. Prayer is nothing but talking to the Lord. Maybe you're here and you need to pray that prayer of salvation. Maybe you're here and you need to pray that prayer for a person. Maybe you're here and you need to pray a prayer for your situation or trials or tribulation. Or maybe you're waiting on the Lord and you need to pray for God to give you patience as you expectantly wait on something in your life. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you, Lord, and I do pray. I pray for my own heart, Lord. I pray as we exhibit this patience, Lord, as we yield to the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. In my heart, you will give me this patience and long suffering, Lord. God, I just pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, that they don't have to live their life in anger. They don't have to live their life in fits of wrath or they don't have to live their life in contentions. But yet, the beautiful thing of the Holy Spirit is it can bring patience in our hearts and our lives, Lord. And God, this morning, where hate is, replace it with love. And where anger is, replace it with patience. And where there's no joy, put joy in our hearts. And Lord, all of these things are possible through the Holy Spirit. And God pray at first, Lord, for those that, that need to come to know Christ this morning, just pray a prayer like this, say, "Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You died on a cross and did something for me that I couldn't do for myself, and I trust in your salvation. This morning the Bible says, you can be born again, literally born from the Spirit of God. And Lord, maybe as a Christian this morning, may we pray, Lord, here's my heart. Forgive me where I failed you, Lord. Restore the joy of my salvation and fill me full of your Holy Spirit this morning. What a prayer. And I pray as we seek the Lord this morning, just for a few minutes, we're going to have this time of invitation commitment, this song's going to play. And right where you sit or if you want to come down and pray with me or pray with someone else, you're more than welcome to do that. But just for two minutes, just say, Lord, here's my heart. Speak to me. Fill me, Lord, and show me your will for my life and how to respond to your word this morning.